This episode of Size Matters is brought to you by Big Deal Insurance. Do you frequently outgrow your home or workplace? Have you accidentally stepped on a few too many cars on the way back from the bar? Do you worry about paw prints on your lawn or trampling-induced damages to your home, property, self, or family? Macro-based damages from Rampage due to accidental growth spurts are a big deal. And thankfully, Big Deal Insurance can help. Call 855-BIG-DEAL and get a quote on affordable, easy-to-pay macro insurance today. Big Deal Insurance, here to support the little and not-so-little guy with whatever life throws their way. Or the other way around. This week on Size Matters, Sylvan Scott joins us to talk about his over two decades of experience in writing macro-micro fiction. We also try to find out just how much all those shrinking and growth sequences in our Saturday morning cartoons really affected us. Stomp on in as we talk about things big and small here on Size Matters. Hey everyone and welcome to Size Matters, episode 2. It's Monday, July 22nd. My name is Quandry Bashir and I'm your host and joining me is Kinson Shimobi. Hi guys! Hey, and we do have a special guest. Who'd have thunk today? Uh, we have Sylvan <laughs> Scott joining us. Hi there, guys. <laughs> Alright, yeah, and for those of you who don't know Sylvan, uh, can, you, can you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Well, uh, Sylvan Scott is uh, just the most recent pen name I've used. I used to go by uh, Sylvan Silver Knight more frequently. I've been uh, in the furry fandom since the early 90s and uh, been writing furry macro-micro fiction since about then, if not earlier before I even discovered the fandom. Wow. Like, you've been literally a macro as long as I've been alive. (laughs) Oh, Seriously. thank you for... Yeah, thank that's you really going to make it feel good. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I just, it just, <laughs> Go ahead call me while you're at it. I'm yes. so sorry. I am a little older than Kenton as well, but still, that's mm-hmm. that's definitely going back to, to the days of my youth, too. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, I didn't uh, discover furry fandom until a friend of mine lent me some uh, small fanzines that were... Uh, all about centaurs, which interested me at the time, and that got me mm-hmm. into the proper fandom, and I met Macrophiles right uh. away, and uh, that kind of, like, keyed right into several things I've I've been going through since I was a kid, so... <laughs> Wow, so it sounds like we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about, both of like the you know the history or your history at least within the macrophile community and the furry community at large, as well as <laughs> just your perspective on on that going back. Um, before we get into that, uh, I want to go ahead and just uh, talk a little bit. I know that uh, Sylvan, you did get a chance to see Pacific Rim, as you heard from last week's podcast. We talked about that a lot. I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that since uh, since you said you got a chance to see that. Sure, yeah. I went out with friends, saw it uh, just uh, two nights ago, Friday night. I uh, went down to the IMAX at the Minnesota Zoo and uh, saw it in 3D. It's one of the only times I'll actually pay extra for 3D. Ah, if, if you're going to see giant you know, macro monsters and giant robots, you're going to see it on an IMAX screen and in 3D. So. Amen, brother. <laughs> You see, you're making me feel bad because I went to see it in 2D, and I could have seen it in 3D if I had taken the train, but the theater within walking distance was, uh, they had it in 3D and 2D, but the 2D was like half the price if I went to that that showing, so the frugal panda in me won out. No, no, and that's that's how I always do it, too. It's just uh, this one time I figured, eh, 
It, it's a it's a special film. Yes, yeah, so for why the kaiju not? movies, I'm gonna spend a little more because why? It's worth it, and it's me. So yeah. <laughs> that is making me want to go see it again. Go down to the IMAX I theater. I still haven't and... seen it. You need I to. I, I told it. you to see it this I weekend. I couldn't. I was at Cedar Point chewing on roller coasters. Um, so <laughs> I wasn't really able to find time. I, however, probably will be going early this week, like tomorrow or Tuesday, because dang it, everyone has seen it, and everyone's like, oh, I can't spoil it around Kenson because he doesn't know, and he's a macro, and he'll stomp me, even though it won't hurt. But so, so that'll keep is, our yeah. streak of talking about Pacific Rim up to three. We're going <laughs> we're gonna to basically just talk about every episode of this show, aren't we? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but just real quick, Sylvan, what did you th- uh, think? I know you said you know it was a pretty awesome you know, uh, visual experience from the IMAX screen, but... But overall, as a movie, was it one that you liked? Oh, yeah, definitely. This, uh, the film actually had a plot. It actually had character development. It, a- it actually had good action. And, you know, you'd expect nothing less from uh, Guillermo del Toro. I mean, the guy gave us uh, you know, Pan's Labyrinth and, uh, and Hellboy mm-hmm. 2. You know, the guy really knows how to tell a story. And when he put his mind to emulating all the giant mecha animes combined with all the kaiju films, he just, you know, how could he fail to deliver because he certainly didn't yeah Fantastic. yeah i just wish the the rest of the country would have kind of caught on to to that and, and gone out and see it i don't know if you saw the box office returns but it oh yeah uh, i think it came yeah. behind grown-ups two and then despicable yeah. me too uh so not <laughs> a great day for the uh, the stompy cinema out there there needs to be like ugh. there needs to be more of us not just bigger ones of us <laughs> Yeah, gotta throw more money in there. That's the thing. A macro can take up like you know half the theater, but only pay for one ticket. So it's probably it's not a good cost money. value. Uh, but uh, it's big money, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's why we have to go to the IMAX theaters. No place else will size us. You know. Exactly. That's true. And then, well, like you know, just clear out a bunch of seats. <laughs> Hopefully, the word of mouth will be good enough that this weekend will be a little bit better. I, I haven't seen mm-hmm. the, the estimates yet, but I guess we'll get the final numbers tomorrow. Trip well, that's the biggest, uh, the biggest problem with uh, going to see films as a macro is that drive-in theaters have been dying out since the 70s. Okay. There is actually a new one that opened up uh, in the past five, four, th- two or three years uh, around me, about, about 10, 15 miles east of me. And I haven't got a chance to see it, uh, go out and see it yet, but it's definitely cool. – uh, I, I like that idea, obviously, as a macro. It, it, it definitely fits in. Yes, and, like, truthfully, ugh, should get, like, sponsored by movie theaters – I'll take my phone and I'll play a movie on it and have a bunch of people, like, curl up on my chest. Like, just, you know, I'll be a sponsor. Come on. Or reverse that. You could you could actually take the projector and use your chest as the as the screen to project it. That works, too. That works, or too. If the, movie, <laughs> if the movie's boring, you just simply pull your hands up and make shadow puppets. It's like, yeah. ooh, look, we're going to do this and smish this thing right here. It's like, yay! <laughs> that becomes it's your so own little better. kind of rip tracks thing on, on it. You know, you add your own <laughs> yeah, parts to the movie just, just from a visual perspective. Uh, you yes. just created a new podcast. There, someone has to do macro <laughs> oh rip tracks now. Yes. Oh, I, can only, I can only do one podcast at a time. You know, wait, wait, wait until this one. Uh, it, it doesn't you need to die out or, or run its course or whatever. <laughs> oh, yes, because I, I don't have enough going on in my life. Exactly. Right? Nope, not at all. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I don't want to talk uh, too much more about Pacific Rim. So let's go ahead, uh, you know, because we're probably going to talk about it next week once Kenson's finally seen it, because I know he'll want to yes. go on at for 20 point, and 30 minutes about it. Yeah, at that point, I'll just be the next episode. It'll just be me lying on the floor, paw twitching, because I'm just like... Too much. Can't handle. Yeah. I know the people out there who, who haven't seen it yet are probably itching for us to move on, too. So let's go ahead and talk mm. a little bit about, uh, you know, about our guest, about Sylvan. 
said earlier a little bit about your history. Why don't we go a little more into that? Sure thing. Well, I mean, I got started because I loved centaurs. Uh, that was my that was my first uh, opening salvo into furry fandom proper. But I had always, even since I was a little kid, gotten into uh, growth and shrinking, macro, micro. Because, uh, well, I grew up in the 70s, so yeah, I'm dating myself even more there, but every every TV show for kids back then, if it had a regular full season, seemed to have at least one episode per season where characters grow and an episode where characters shrink. And we even had, oh yeah, we even had the Saturday morning show Dr. Shrinker, just about that whole concept. Well, wasn't what? there also uh, the, yes. the primetime show, Land of the Giants, was that in the 70s, or yep. am oh. I mis- misplacing uh, I think- that? I think that was uh, late 60s, late 60s actually. Okay, so a little yeah. before your time. What has happened to our generation? <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 this is, again, getting into the second segment more, but there is definitely still uh, plenty of, of macro growth shrinking mm-hmm. content in modern uh, animation and, and yeah. you know, Saturday morning cartoons and stuff, but maybe not quite to the extent that it was in the 70s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. it's, yeah, it, but, you know, that was how it went. You know, I was already into that stuff even when I was a kid because, you know, you have that childlike uh, exploration of excitement of what what if I were really small? What if I could, you know, sneak around places? Or what if I was a giant and could look down at the reservoir and the, the forest near where I grew up and go stomping through there and chasing all the, the animals or the people around or whatever? You know, you, you think about things like that. and. And it's something that, you know, not just with animation, but, but even like in cartoons, one of my, my favorite uh, comics, I say cartoons, comics, uh, in, in the newspaper, uh, Calvin and Hobbes regularly yes. featured uh, Calvin oh, yeah. shrinking or growing uh, or, yep. you know, some variation on that. And I'm sure that wasn't the only one. It's just the one that, that jumps to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. All of them. That Anything that dealt with the imagination uh, dealt with some sort of macro-micro because I think it's because all of us at some age or another wish we were bigger or we'll, we'll have these daydreams about being smaller. Um, you know, it's just, it's so commonplace. It's so much of a, a common source of uh, identification we all have that, well, when I discovered it actually had a huge following in furry fandom, it was like, wow. You know, I, I already liked the centaurs, and I've always loved werewolves, which is my other big thing. And now <laughs> here's a place where I can run into giant wolf tars, which was my first character on Furry Muck all those years ago. Yes. So uh, how was uh, how was it that, well, when you found the, the furry fandom and the macro uh, connection in that, uh, you know, this was in the days before Fur Affinity. I know you said you mentioned that you had been a part of a, a, of a zine, I guess, at that point. Is that right? Oh, yes. Um, the Centaurs Gatherum newsletter. I think you can find it on the Furrypedia. Uh, it was run by Corva in the furry fandom for quite a few years. It was, I think, a quarterly. A few of my old uh, stories appeared in there, one or two of them. And uh, it was a place where you could find... Art of all sorts. Uh, that's where I first, I believe, ran into uh, Mike Higgs. Did some artwork in there with some uh, fox tars, and nice. of course, Mike Higgs is known as one of those ultimate uh, micro shrinking uh, artists that are that's out there. So, hmm. yeah, that's awesome! Wow. Oh yeah. So, like, you definitely uh, take more to the sides, uh, like you said, centaurs, right? Not like tars, as in six paws. Well, no, I used to, no, I used to. Um, I've okay. uh, since gotten more into. Uh, well, I guess 
more of the the bipeds. Like, uh, okay. think of it this way: if you can hug it easily, I'm more fond Aww. of it than if you can't. Yes. You know? <laughs> I wasn't sure if you're talking about like Tars in the sense of like a check hat style, as in six paws. Because oh right, right. I think I've sort of just been getting a little bit more of an affinity to that. So I wasn't sure if you were talking about that or. Else, so. Those fall into the same category. I mean, you know, as, the, the number of legs is only a problem if you can't mm-hmm. easily navigate the other person. Although, if you're dealing with a multi-legged macro, there is more acreage to discover. <laughs> so. so, so how? Uh, that, that's something that I'm actually not really that familiar with in, in the the centaur scene or the, or the centaur, uh, you know, part of of the macro or the furry scene at all. Uh, how much of a connection would you say, at least at the time when you when you first joined, was there between uh, Centaur and, and Macro uh, inside of things? Well, fair, a fair amount, because with maybe the exception of one or two characters, uh, all the Centaurs were based off of the the big old you know Clydesdale or Shire horses, which mm-hmm. by definition made the character mm-hmm. a low grade Macro at least. Like you know, nine, the characters. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, you'd run into characters like uh, Shatari, who is the first person I met on Furry Muck. And mm-hmm. you'd run into uh, other characters who would create fox tars or wolf tars that were a good, you know, 18, 20 feet tall. And that was Sylvan in his first incarnation, was an 18-foot-tall wolf tar who was mm-hmm. always uh, terrified he was going to step on things and break them. Mm-hmm. Yay! That's the best. Well, it's, it's, it's easier to do that when you have uh, four paws that hit the ground and only two uh, two more that are uh, up in exactly. the air. Exactly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of why I've sort of been getting a little bit more into TARS because it's like, okay, four giant stompy paws versus two. Hmm. <laughs> so you're saying the more the better? Why don't, why don't I go with six? Why don't I make a Why not, a why not make a millipede? <laughs> yeah, but then you're, then you're getting to the domain of the human centipede and no one wants Ugh. that. Uh, yeah. Uh, no! Moving on. No. No, yeah. Sorry, you know, I'm actually going to be going to, uh, there's a play in ju- that opens in just about uh, a week and a half that I'm going to be going to. Mm-hmm. A Is that comedy at the French called, Festival there? Or? Yep, it's called uh-huh. Centipede, the musical. And yes, it's just <laughs> what it sounds like. The Human Centipede as a musical. Oh, my. Now I'm just oh, trying, I can't help but think of the... Uh... Tell us how that goes, because just for comic relief, I want to know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if he has, like, 100 shoes. Oh, my gosh. I can't help but think of the South Park episode with the the, hum- oh. was the human... I- uh, IP, I forgot the name of it, but basically an Apple product. The Sentipad. Sentipad, that's what it oh, was. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was wow. gross. Anywho, yes. <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, that was, but that was, like I said, way back when. I was involved in a few mucks. I haven't been in years, uh, but furry muck, I, all my characters were macro or micro. Uh, the I created Knight, which uh, everyone seems to remember as the Galactus of furry muck. And uh, it was just a big, uh, a big equine who was cold, dispassionate, and a giant and all powerful. You know, I created him so that I could have. Oh, he was he was too dis he was too disassociated from the world for that. But everyone wanted everyone wanted me to play this big, mean, domineering macro, and so I just eventually said, "Ah, screw it! I'll create the ultimate, you know, Galactus style." You know, big Away guy who takes what he wants. Yes. Yeah. yeah that fun, is something yeah. that even even today kind of holds up. Where uh, it seems like people out there that are that are fans of macros, you know, micros or, or, or normal size, they tend to prefer the the, the mean stompy kind for the most part. Yeah. There, there's definitely yeah. fans of both. 
mm-hmm. and and I, I've always gotten you know notes or, or IMs from from those, and that's just not the the kind of person I can really be. Uh, yeah. I'm just right. I'm just not really into to gore or vor that much, at least for my personal character. And you you role play that occasionally. I've role played that in some scenarios for people, but it's more that you do it. Uh, for the other person that's in the role play, if you want to yeah. have some fun, or you know, I'll, yeah. it'll show up in what a story I write. If I'm asked specifically to include it, it's not mm-hmm. something I'm particularly interested in. Kind of squicks me sometimes, but you know, yeah. hey, if if you're making other people happy with it, you know, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely understand that because I am, you know, Tripzilla, really big, cuddly, fluffy. <laughs> My paws don't hurt anybody, but I've actually been in a few role plays where I've been requested. To be a dominant character and at first that got kind of i was like uncomfortable but i know it's just a role play so there's yeah. actually to the point where i have uh vored and it's not been hard but it's soft for i actually mm-hmm. have gone to the point of swallowing and it's just for the pleasure of the other person so when it comes to that i definitely understand when it comes to gore i will say this might sound surprising but i do kind of have a little bit of affinity for it like just Okay. I know that it's the power side. It's like I know that people who are into that, it's basically just the absolute domination. It's the you're a squished piece of matter under my paw, and that's that style. So mm-hmm. I do have a little bit, not a whole lot, because I yeah. definitely gentle macros are my favorite thing ever. It's funny that this came up because I actually, uh, you know, as an aspiring writer, I've, I've taken some requests for, for macro, macro, macro stories. And one of the ones I was working on just this morning uh, for, for uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Kaiser, uh, it, it dealt with gore and, and vor on a, on a macro level. And that was something that I realized as I was writing this, this is something kind of unusual for me to write. I'd never really done this. So I'm not at the point to where I don't know yeah. how good I'm doing it. I hope it's good. Uh, I guess, you know, when, when I get feedback from them, I can make it better. Uh, but it, it's one of those things that, you know, because of the subject matter is, is so not alien, but yeah. at least so different from what I normally go with. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good opportunity for you a new to wait for it. Grow in your experience. Ah! <laughs> yeah. I, I still haven't gotten that sound. But I, I actually am really interested yet. to hear what you've written, too. Like, I can actually see you've done a good job. Yeah, that's actually what I was wanting to go to, to talk about next, Sylvan. Uh, when oh, okay. did you start writing and, and you know getting those short stories uh, specifically revolved with, with macro micro uh, subjects? Yes, so, most definitely. Early on, uh, really, I started. Uh, I used to write uh, stuff that I would release to the uh, the Altnet, uh, the Usenet news groups on the various alt boards, and I would write uh, whenever I wrote something that was even remotely um, sensual or whatever, I would do it under the nickname uh, The Obsessive Compulsive. Uh, (laughs) Because everything I dealt with when I wrote that sort of stuff, uh, it was always, you know, macro or micro related, growth or shrinking related. And Hmm. so it always came across like I was an obsessive compulsive. Uh, But 
know, so I, I wrote a few of those. Uh, hey, you got to write what you love, right? Oh, yep. exactly. But that's it's just it. You know, the other half of things, which I write under a different pen name, uh, are, tend to be you know just science fiction, fantasy, or the occasional horror story. Yeah. Um, um, if you don't mind me yeah. asking, sure. how many pen names did you or do you have? Just to be curious. You don't have to say them. Just. Oh no no no! I right now I maintain uh, just three of them. Uh, okay. My own real name. Uh, Sylvan Scott is what I use for all my furry writing, and that's mm-hmm. where you'll find all my macro micro stuff. And uh, then I have uh, uh, a nickname, uh, Travis, uh, that I go by rarely. But that's when I'm trying to get stuff out there like uh, poetry or something along those lines. I, I basically compartmentalize mm-hmm. by my audience or what I'm yes. intending to be my audience. Yes, very so. nice. Do you think that uh, makes each audience... Uh, a little more, a little better served that way to, to compartmentalize. Do you have you ever found any kind of cross pollinization between someone who likes you on, in one audience that doesn't even realize you're you're writing under a different pen name, but then when they find that, they end up, end up liking that as well. Yes, yeah. When I, I there was a macro story I wrote a couple years ago uh, that uh, I released under two of my different names on different boards, and people just liked them regardless. Uh, it was more or less just what, uh, I guess they, it just, they liked the themes. In fact, I don't think some people even knew that some of it was macro. It was just, um, you know, mm. story and it was a fantasy story set in, uh, the universe I created called the Skylands. Um, ah. And uh, that one was, oh, dear, what was the name of it now? It was uh, Large Living. Uh, and it, you so know, you're saying with, there were, were yeah. giants in the Skyland. I, I think you might have a suit on your hands against that. I think someone stole your idea. Uh, well, that's just it. I, I created the Skylands as, uh, as a tabletop role-playing game setting back no in uh, 1990 three or four oh. and it was basically it has nothing to do with i've heard that there's this other thing called skylanders i don't know anything about it really um skylands in my case is this fantasy world of floating continents that bears more in common with jack chalker's uh well world series of novels uh from the 70s than anything else because <laughs> the skylands are populated entirely by people or their descendants who were brought there from other worlds it's sort of like this uh, uh-huh. clearinghouse between alternate realities. Oh, that and, is a, wow! Yeah, and it's all these different. Uh, it's a magical world of floating continents that are chunks ripped out of various other worlds, and uh, okay. most everyone there is either uh, a native or a newcomer. But at some point, they're all descended from newcomers. And yeah, um, this is story. kind of yeah. sorry, completely random. Uh-huh. I just thought of uh, truthfully, I just thought of Skyward Sword from Zelda, just from that picture, but. Eh, just a random sign. Just like the well, scene. Yeah, every it, you see floating continents and islands and so much fantasy fiction. I figured, oh, well, it's my turn now. And so <laughs> I, I created yes. one. Very yeah, nice. it's something that you know, even in the past couple of years, in video games and movies, that, that that the kind of thing has come across. I can think of Bioshock Infinite with uh, Columbia and and then Skyward Sword, like you were saying, yes. Kinson, mm-hmm. uh, yes. just among two of of, of the Lots. probably the many of them that are out there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a popular uh, popular subject even today. Yeah, oh, doesn't yeah. Dianotopia have some of that too? Just throw that in there. I don't know. Eh, moving on. So uh, you, with with the, the Skyland series, uh, th- is that 
how you kind of got involved with Megamorphix, or was that uh, later? Oh, no, Megamorphix goes back much earlier. Much back earlier, to, okay. Oh, yeah, mm. Megamorphix is now in its second incarnation. It went through a, a gap uh, where it was sort of offline for a few years. And I was, you know, I've been friends with Ken Sample and uh, Benny the Tiger and some of the people that were the initial founders of it way back in the beginning. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to join in. I, I fell out of the first run when I just didn't have time to write more than once a year. Uh, which was kind of stupid, but, you know, hey, uh, this is how it happened. But yeah. then uh, we ran into each other again at the wedding of a friend of a pair of friends of ours who were getting married back uh, a few years ago in California first allowed for uh, marriage equality uh, for gays and lesbians. Yep. We were all out there, and Benny asked, you know, we're thinking of starting it up again. Uh, would you like to be involved again? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And so I've been back involved in that ever since, and... Uh, uh, usually, what uh, one of my stories, as soon as it appears there, I'll put it up on FA and So Furry, you know, a few weeks later, okay. so everyone can read it. But yeah, mm-hmm. now is you mentioned, you know, back, you know, that it gone it went offline. Uh, in its first incarnation, was it all, has it always been an online thing or? Oh did, no, no, that's just my terminology. I, I, for I, that's it. I, I wanted to clarify because yeah. I because I know. Now it's it's primarily uh, like a isn't it an online based thing even though it is no. like a magazine they actually no, no, do publish a, it yep it's a print magazine what? for the members yep how only do I you subscribe to me. you told me it was online only uh, how do I subscribe <laughs> only for members of the fanzine only oh, people okay. that contribute uh, can get into it I'm afraid but <laughs> okay well I'll contribute I I'm an, I'm a budding artist we'll I'm a growing talk, artist talk about, talk about after the podcast okay fine. <laughs> I'm just so eager. Uh, so so how how far back did that actually go? When, when did the first incarnation start? Wow, gosh, I've got the here. Hold on, I'm gonna get uh, head over. I'll pick up the first issue. I've got it across the room from me. One sec, we're back. Need about another commercial at this point. I only have one prepared though. Stomp, 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 stomp. Is it oh, back? Here it is. Yay! Yeah, I'm back. Megamorphix, issue number one, May 1997. Whoa. Cover art yeah. is uh, Synergy as drawn in color by Ken Sample. Hmm. And it was a, uh, oh man, it's just basically this big old book with uh, spiral binding. and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. awesome, though. Yeah, man. very very different. I'd uh, love to be holding oh, that in my yeah. paws right now, for sure. Seriously. Oh, yeah. And, and well, has it always been under the same format where it's just like a collection of, of things? Or, or you know, yeah, how, how each, has, that, has that evolved at all? Yeah, each person. Uh, the only real evolution is that now I think they use uh, Lulu print-on-demand to actually do somewhat of a more uh, professional square binding. It actually looks like a professional wow. publication these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, every uh, every member of Megamorphix uh, has their own section, which they have their own title for, and for which they provide uh, artwork, be it uh, visual or written. I've done only I've occasionally commissioned pieces to put in for my you know for my submission, but that's usually only because I need uh, some artwork to go with the story that I've written. I and see. in one case, I actually wrote macro micro poetry, which was really weird. But <laughs> <laughs> that sounds interesting, now, though. Do you yeah. have to make a submission for for every issue, or how does that work? 
There's a minimum activity uh, level, and I am very poor at keeping up with that. I, that's my biggest flaw is I'm a very slow writer. Uh, if you have somebody who's a, a real pro like uh, Kagamushi, uh, Kage. Oh, yeah. Ka- Uncle Kage. Uncle is, uh, Kage. That's what I is, thought. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he is a fantastic Love writer. Um, he's there a brilliant he's... writer, and he's yeah. very fast, and he's very professional. Mm. Uh, keeping up with him, it's, you know, don't, don't bother comparing yourself because he really knows what he's doing. You're always going to yeah. fall short. <laughs> I wonder if it's – I don't know what uh, Kage does uh, in, as a real job or, or if he even you know, just survives on, on writing. He's actually but a I, physics I, professor. I kind of wonder, as a writer myself – if it's harder if you have a job that deals with computers on a daily basis, because I've always found that the last thing I want to do after looking at a computer screen in my in my job for mm-hmm. 11 hours is to go and write. I'll, I'll do it sometimes, but it, it is definitely harder to, to do that after staring yeah. at a screen so long. And that's exactly my issue is uh, I spend all day working on uh, on online shopping carts and e-commerce platforms and uh, applications and things like that. And I'll get home and I'll want just to, you know, either pick up, uh, uh, you know, pick up a book like uh, the, and we're currently reading uh, the latest book in the Dresden Files or I'll just turn on TV or just anything to numb my brain. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. It, Facebook is great for numbing your brain. <laughs> yes. Uh, I could always just, you know. Smoosh it a little. (laughs) (laughs) If that would help, speed up the process. Yes, of course. Overall short stories would you say that you've written that are macro micro themed if, if you had to guess uh i'd say probably uh, close to 50 wow hmm. and that's over nice. the, the past 20 years or so so you have, so on yeah. average about two two and a half a year yeah i mean some years i'll write tons of them uh and some of them are just uh uh, are just, uh, what's the right term for it? Uh, some of them is drabbles. And a drabble yeah. is, uh, you know, any story that's exactly 100 words long, no more, no less. Yeah, for oh. those of you out there who, who don't have, think they don't have the time to read uh, macro micro writing, <laughs> drabble is a great way to, to get something that's as quick to see as a piece of art, but, uh, wow. you know, is, is, is in the writing uh, realm of things. Uh, and yeah. Sylvan has a, a bunch of stuff on his. Uh, FA profile that are that's pretty good for as far as that, that goes. Well, I just like I said, I thought I'd draw. I thought I'd write a whole mess of different uh, pieces about uh, about a year and a half ago and put them up and uh, see what uh, people thought. I mean, it was a lot of drabbles and some flash fiction. Flash being generally around 500 words or so. If you're selling it professionally, at least they usually tell you aim for 500 words for flash fiction. You know, I found doing my own writing that it's it's hard to for me personally to keep it under like even two thousand. Uh, yes. If I have an idea for a story that I am compelled enough to write, I will want to write at least that much, if not going up to you know three, four, or five thousand. And that's the that's the thing. It, the uh, oh dear, I sorry, I lost my train of thought. Totally derailed. Well, uh, I think I see not on uh, your I got profile. it. I got it. Fix up. Back on. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> 
What was that not? I, I, was, I, was I think I've seen, you know, whenever you post at least your recent stories, you always mention yeah. something like, as with all my stories, the it oh. went longer than anticipated, the bonus is yeah. a gift. <laughs> yeah, the, that's happened so far virtually every story I've written. I'm really trying to rein that in because the last time I, I was commissioned to write a 12,000-word story and it turned out 23,000. Was Whoa. that indelible? So that was in, yeah, that was Jeez. indelible. Yeah, and, and that's uh, one that was commissioned by both your and my good friend uh, James Fox's. Yeah, oh, James and Fox. James is a, is a very dear friend. He's a lot, he's a lot of fun to chat with. Uh, he, he keeps me sane, and uh, so I was more than happy when he asked me to do a couple commissions for him. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I did the uh, Strange Alchemy. Was Strange the Alchemy was the first one I did for him, and then I did uh, Indelible. And Indelible was supposed to be more or less uh, just uh, an exploration of everything macro-related. So, oh. yeah, mm. every possible, you know, interpretation of macro and size. Okay. Wow. One of the things I remember that I kind of thought when I, when I first saw Indelible, uh, your description of it, you mentioned that it's basically, you know, straight. You, the way you described it was, was like it's basically porn. Uh, yes. And <laughs> reading it, I was thinking, you know, this is if all porn was like this porn would be like nominated for you know for oscars or or, or whatever because even though there is a lot of of erotica in there uh the it tugs at the heartstrings at some point especially towards the end uh, and that's my biggest problem in writing porn is uh i i differentiate porn from erotica uh in that uh, porn is the raw sort of uh, the, the the fetish material, the stuff that just goes right to your desires. Whereas erotica is supposed to engage the reader and draw them into it emotionally, so they're still having these sexual feelings, but they actually are involved in the story a bit more. That's where I you know w- you know porn is more you know letters to the penthouse editor, whereas erotica is more you know discussing your feelings while you're having sex with the person who wrote the letters to the penthouse editor. And I think you that's know. where you kind of sold yourself short with your description for Indelible because you, I, I forget the main character's name, so forgive me. Uh, I think, was it just James or? It was just James. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was my, <laughs> that's probably that was why I my forgot because yeah. uh, of the commissioner it matched with him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you definitely do delve into his feelings and, and his longing to be part of that world. Uh, for just a short description of that, the story is about uh, a human who gets pulled into a world of uh, of, of furries that basically, they're, they're in a, a fraternity house, and yeah. they found a, they have some way of, of delving into macro things, growing things. Uh, mm-hmm. And you really do a great job of exploring James's change over the course of the of the story of of being kind of scared at first but maybe a little bit intrigued to really feeling like that's his home uh yeah. and and i'm really uh i just want to i don't want to gush but i just today i was really impressed by that well, i'm very mm. flattered thank you i mean i'm no kyle gold but uh i i like uh i like writing these sort of things uh and like i say there's been plenty that i've written that is of a non uh, sexual nature that deals with uh, macros and uh I'll take that please Oh yeah. You well, I, 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 I think there's a story coming up that even even as hard as I twisted your arm to try to get a uh, a, a more erotic story coming out of me, I think we eventually settled on a really awesome uh, oh, idea yeah. for a more adventure story that yeah. uh, will 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 be coming right. Yeah, I'm actually uh, through section one right now. My uh, 
It's uh, more of a of a hard SF, hard science fiction story with uh, a lot of macro in it and uh, growy goodness. Hmm. And, uh, and I'm glad that it is. You know, I, I guess it's part of what I request to be to be science fiction. But it seems like the more the more you see in macro fiction is the fantasy side of things, uh, yeah. at least in the furry community. You don't see a whole lot of, of science fiction. Uh, and, that's because the more you get into it in, in hard science, you f- the more you realize, oh, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but science! Uh. Yeah, yeah, well, square <laughs> cube one. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yep, well, the surface area to volume ratio, the smaller something yeah. is, the faster it loses body ooh, temperature. Ooh, 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 ooh. But, but, you know, the whole thing with, like, cells and that, you know, that's if the cell doesn't grow its entire self. It's only if the stuff inside grows. So technically, yeah, but then if you shrink, But then if you shrink the molecules, then suddenly they can't interact with the oxygen molecules you need to survive. And there's all no, sorts no, of no, problems no. with it. You just shrink everything. <laughs> Well, that's why you got to be yes. on another planet so that their physics yeah. and their uh, biology works different. But we're furries. Uh, physics and uh, furries don't get along. Well, <laughs> I don't think physics works that way, but uh, yeah. but it's still fun to play with. And who knows? Mm-hmm. I, I When I do science fiction, I still try to figure out a way that if I can do sufficiently fast hand-waving, it'll still work. Because it's really for the fun of it. Yeah, I mean, definitely. if you're exploring what I'm exploring here, which your story is uh, in the story that I'm working on right now, is about... You know, uh, a person who is deal- a young person who's dealing with being, you know, separated from someone he loves and runs into a small alien life form that doesn't stay that way. Oh, and, uh, Yay. <gasps> Yay! See, like, that's the reason my stories exist in the first place. It kind of just mm-hmm. makes me go, why? Whenever someone tries to pull in reality, it's like, no, that wouldn't make sense, yeah. but it's a story. Well, and, and one of the things you kind of mentioned when we were talking about Pacific Rim last week, Kenson, you said that you know at some point you just kind of want to be able to, to put aside the plot and just see the stompies. Yes. You know, one of the things I think that can really make an amazing macro story is when you don't have to do that. When you still get yes, all of the, the the thrill and the uh, amazement of seeing someone grow mm-hmm. or someone shrink, but you also don't have to turn off the part of your brain that gets intrigued by you know the, the way the characters interact and develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story has to be internally consistent is yeah. the issue. So if I'm going to introduce something like I do in this story to explain the growth, it has to be at least something that rings true to the reader, yeah. something that will allow them to say, you know, I've taken Physics 101 in high school or college. I know that this creature would fall apart as soon as it got beyond 16 feet tall or, or what have you, mm-hmm. and yet... I, I have to, if I can come up with at least some hand wavy goodness that allows them to ignore what they know, then I've succeeded as a writer in getting them to the point of the story, which is to A, enjoy this, uh, this transformation of character from point A to point B from beginning to end, mm-hmm. as well as enjoy all the, the fun elements in there, which is in this case, macroy goodness. And yes. it's not just the, the that kind of thing is not just relegated to macro fiction. Right. You know, any science fiction, you kind of have to do a little bit of waving your hand. You know, I'm a exactly. big, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and yeah. one of the central things of Star Trek <laughs> yep. is the warp drive, which they yep. never really explain that well. Uh, yeah. and, and when you think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, oh, no, from it, our understanding it makes of physics currently. Oh, no, no. It does make sense. You can warp space-time in theory. The problem is that uh, there's, when there's I a study- lot of holes in, in, in the way they do it, though. 
Well, yeah. right. The amount of energy required is the big one. You'd yeah. need energy on the level of a galactic scale. I mean, if the Enterprise, every time it shoots off uh, t- uh, from Earth to Vulcan, consumes uh, the energy output of the Milky Way, uh, you know, <laughs> over... Yeah, then, yeah. Well, yeah, I could at see that. At some point, you know, Heisenberg, or, or, or it's not Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, but some sort of physical law about the, con- the conservation of, of uh, energy and mass or something like that gets in the way, right? Well, kind of, but there are other things. It's just mostly just how are you going to, A, get a hold of that much energy, and B, channel it through any physical object that won't be destroyed by sending that much energy through it. And also just what happens to that energy, yeah. you know, once, once it has been yeah. uh, used and, and, and dissipated. Especially well, very clearly whenever the Enterprise is shot with anything, <laughs> photon, torpedo, phaser, it doesn't matter, a ball of lint, every time it gets hit with anything, yep. all of a sudden sparks go flying from every console up there. It's like in the 24th century, they lost the technology for surge protectors. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, well, that's kind of what led them into the, war, uh, the wormhole in, in the first movie, right? They, well, they, right, but... But it's yeah. exciting anyway, so we allow it. Yeah. We, we go with it. I mean, well, Star Trek's awesome. Well, so now gentlemen. that we've turned into the, uh, the, the <laughs> Trek cast. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, there um, was a Star Trek animated uh, series back in the day, and there was an episode where everyone got shrunk. And, and there is a macro episode of the original series as well with the the, the guy who pretends to be Apollo or, or Mercury. Yep. Um, yep. You do have that sequence with uh, the god, or quote, huh. you know, air quotes around God Apollo, uh, looming over Kirk and the rest of the away team. Yeah. So, I just wish yeah. that the original series wasn't so hard to watch. Now, I love Next Generation <laughs> and Deep Space Nine, and yeah. so far there's not really been any any kind of macro or micro uh, content in either of those. I've not finished all of Deep Space Nine. I'm watching again through it now, but. Right. <sighs> now, to my yeah. re- recollection, there wasn't any, although DS9, I think, was the best written of all of them. Yeah, I, I yeah that's why I love it. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't appreciate it. it as a kid, but I, I definitely appreciate it now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciated it as a college student, to date me. <laughs> All of us gathered downstairs. We were all Gosh. of us Babylon Five fans. Were mm. fascinated to see what Deep Space Nine would be about, and we'd <laughs> gather in the student union and watch it. So, well, and if you think about it, they really had a Deep Space Nine had a great op- opportunity for you know size changing because they had a shape a shapeshifter as yep. one of the main characters, oh, and what? also you know several other in his race yep. in that show. Oh. Yeah, I mean, occasionally Odo would do a mouse or something like that. So. Yeah. Never did anything bigger than himself, I don't think. At least not the ones I've seen. So the last thing I kind of want to say before we move on to yeah. our second segment here, or, sure. or ask you, uh, uh, since I know you do commissions now, what mm-hmm. got you started in actually doing that? Where you were able to to commission, or, or for people to commission you? How, how did that get started? Well, I decided that uh, I needed a kick in the pants. Uh, that I I needed to get out of just this rut of just writing what I wanted to write. And so I decided, why don't I throw together, I think I did like 16 sample short stories, uh, eight of them drabbles, and eight of them uh, uh, flash fix, and throw them up online, use them as examples of both non-erotic and erotic fiction of all these different uh, themes and story, uh, uh, themes of story for macro, micro, 
what have you, all these different items, hyper, you name it, I threw it in there. And then I just said, guys, this is what I'm doing. Here are a couple <laughs> stories I wrote and put up on my Smashwords account. Uh, throw these up here for free as well. And let's see if anyone wants me to write. And, yeah, <sighs> it... It just sort of started by people asking me to do things and paying me to do it. So Very nice. I would have to, well, I'd have to stretch, you know, my uh, my interests. I'd have to, they, they would usually ask me to write stuff in the same vein as what I've already written, but it was stuff I normally wouldn't necessarily think of on my own. Yeah. So that forced me to explore different topics and mm-hmm. uh, and try to keep to deadlines, which I'm really bad at. But. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, kind of the same way. I'm not yeah. a commission artist, but if, if I ever do, that'll probably be one of my biggest problems too. But I'd it's kind of like the I'd same way for stuff before Crimson. Yeah, and I got it to you on a timely manner, right? Right? Yeah, you got it to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, you got, yeah, it was fine. Okay, thank you for that review. Because <laughs> eventually, I would like to start. But like, you just reminded me of something when you were saying that whole thing about. You just kind of threw something out there and you're like, okay, guys, what do you think? That's kind of truthfully the nature of this podcast as a whole, too. Because <laughs> we're just like, hey, guys, we're going to start this thing. If you like it, we'll do it. If you don't, well, we'll probably still do it. But have fun ourselves. I'm glad well, that's, that the, that's the some, democratization some, some of the Internet right there for you. The Internet and all of that's the technologies true. now allow us all, I mean, whether it's as trivial as the tweets we send out or something a bit more in-depth, like mm-hmm. a podcast, we all can just throw anything out there now and put our best or worst foot forward. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, I would still be doing this even if I only had five downloads uh, of the episode from last week. It, it, maybe not on a, on a weekly basis like we're doing now, but uh, oh. I, I enjoy this enough that <laughs> the the feedback that we've been getting from the uh, community Definitely. has been just a bonus. I mean, it's a great, a great thing guys. to see. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I'm doing this because I just like talking about this kind of stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's just, I mean, whether or not the audience was a play in it, I definitely, definitely feel the same way. Cause when you first approached me about it, I'm like, so let me get this straight. We're going to talk for an hour or more about all things stompy and then put it on the internet. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> like, just do this. Ah, I, I'm really like, surprised. Ugh. I was—I know I'm not the first one to do a, a furry podcast, but I, I, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, no one's done a macro-themed one before. So Until I'm, now, I'm, of course. Yeah, I'm surprised. Oh yeah, <laughs> I told Jack. I told Jackie about it last week uh, on uh, IM, and he said, "Wait a minute, what now? Where's this? <laughs> Wait, what? 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 Yeah. Get it out <laughs> Drop everything. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, so. Uh, just last, real quick, are you yeah. uh, currently open for commissions, or is that something that you're currently closed on, Sylvan? Uh, currently, I have three in my queue, and I'm not accepting any more for the time being, only because. Mm-hmm. I would like to finish these three first before I, Makes sense. you know, before I loop out any more rope with which to hang myself. All right, so. shut up and uh, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of people who would love to love to give you that that money if you were taken. So just uh, if you're out there and you are uh, like what you've heard and like what you've read on his page, just keep an eye out on his fur affinity page. Username Sylvan. That's S Y L V A. In and uh, where else can you be found? Anywhere else that you would want to, to put up besides your FA page? Uh, so furry, and also mm-hmm. I have a Smashwords account where I upload usually uh, some of my work that uh, is then uploaded in a variety of ebook formats for Nook and Kindle. Awesome. 
So, yep, that's where uh, uh, that's where some of my uh, mm-hmm. other things, like the some of my Christmas stories, end up there, like uh, Christmas in Never Earth and uh, uh, the huh. Winter Thunder story that everyone seemed to like so much. So. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure I link those in the show notes. Okay. So if you're if you missed uh-huh. the, the links, uh, then just look in the the notes in iTunes or on our page, uh, our our new page, www.sizematterspodcast.com, and uh, Ooh, just, just look for the notes for this episode, episode two, and you can then go into and, and read a bounty of macro and micro themed short stories and works, as well as other uh, themes as well that Sylvan has wrote. Yeah, so if you got nothing else to do after listening to our podcast and you got like a couple hours until you have to do something else, just read lots of things. Just make sure you from finish him. the podcast first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, well, shoot. I'm not going to worry about the second half. This sounds great. No, keep listening. Okay. So, so at this point, let's part. go ahead and move on to uh, the other thing we want to talk about today, and that is uh, Saturday morning mm. cartoons and, and growth and shrinking within them. Come on, super friends. I've waited a long time for this moment. Okay, Luthor, what's the big idea? Holy Colossus! <laughs> Luthor's turned into a giant. No, worse. I think we've gotten smaller. Holy munchkins! <laughs> He's trying to steal the Hall of Justice. And Sylvan, you, you did uh, kind of touch on this a little bit in your introduction, that that was one of the things that, that first really kind of got you into the idea mm-hmm. back in the 70s when it seemed like every episode, or every every series, I should say, had an episode. Yeah. Uh, and there were even some uh, shows that were centered around it. Are there any ones from that time period that really stick out to you? Well, the uh, obviously the Super Friends always seem to have something. Uh, you know, you have the the episode where Lex Luthor shrinks the Hall of Justice, and several people are trapped inside. You know, and uh, leave it to Lex. Uh, and then there's another one where the Legion of Doom all become giants uh, and go stomping oh gosh, around the city. That. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> that, that could be a bad Suddenly, thing. Apache Chief was the most useful member of the Justice League. So. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I totally forgot about, about Apache Chief. I mean, you have a character whose inherent, uh, at least one of his inherent powers is, is size change. Yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. And like I said, back then you also, like, you had Dr. Shrinker, which was a live-action kids show on Saturday morning from the people that brought you H.R. Puffin mm-hmm. Stuff, Lidsville, and Electra Woman and Dyna Girl. Uh, so, oh which I'm guessing none of oh, those ring a bell for you young kids. You, know, you young whippersnappers, get off my lawn. <laughs> Yeah, I've but, heard of super friends. But, but <laughs> leaves, leaves paw print on your lawn before getting off. <laughs> well, one of the things when I was doing a little bit of research into this for the show, show prep, uh, I actually found some other ones from, from that time period that kind of surprised me. The, the biggest one being uh, the Beatles cartoon actually did an episode where they went to Japan and, and John finds a, 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 sh- a shrink. A pool that shrinks him, huh. uh, and somehow that has something to do with uh, the song "It Won't Be Long." Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure why. Huh. Okay, <laughs> uh, I didn't even know the Beatles that, that even, show. <laughs> yeah, it, it was in the six, it was in the late '60s, yeah, kind of at yeah, the, yeah. the tail end of of uh, Beatlemania, uh, and it was very racist. So oh, yeah. at least that ep- that that segment, that's the only segment I've seen. Mm-hmm. But definitely, uh, if you're offended by stereotypes, 
Uh, don't go into that show <laughs> with a, a you know a light heart or anything like that. Yeah, but like, uh, yeah, all those shows. Like you were saying, some that kind of they like they were hit and miss for me. Like the ones that I know of the most would be like the ones from either as as early as like Looney Tunes age, and then like mm-hmm. you know nineties. Because one of the ones that I thought of immediately was uh, Ducktales, and then. Darkwing Duck, there's an episode of him mm. where basically he gets a hold of a, I, don't, I can't remember if it's a potion or a ray, but he actually goes huge and he stomps out crime with it. And then there's no, like Godzilla Duck himself that went uh, huge, because I found the link where uh, he was talking about Darkwing Dinosaur, which maybe. I, I've seen Darkwing Duck, I don't remember yeah. that character. Yeah, Darkwing Duck is kind of like a spinoff of, I never... Truthfully, unfortunately, I never really watched the show. I just remember that episode because I was like, yeah, that was more wait a my, minute. My time. Oh, I just saw something I like, and I just watched it. So well, back like, in the day, you had uh, <laughs> you had Dino Saucers, and they had, yes. of course, the uh, the requisite shrinking episode in that. You even had a shrinking episode in Transformers back yes. in the eighties. Beast Wars? Uh, no, not Beast Wars. No, this is oh, this pre. This okay. is the original Transformers series, right. oh, and they did an episode that was sort of like uh, the Incredible Journey or no, sorry, Incredible Voyage, or whatever the ep- the the old classic science fiction film where people sh- are shrunk down inside a submarine and injected inside of a person so they can huh. destroy a blood clot and save his life, and he can give crucial information to the United States. Oh, and, uh, that's where uh, that they, idea came from. Yeah, that's <laughs> like the the plot of the the ride by, uh, Body Wars at Epcot. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore yeah i don't know if <laughs> well you got to shrink down to go in and, and i think it's this i think it's a blood clot that you have to say i wish they had that still i was there mm-hmm. well the yeah. movie inner space with uh, martin short was uh, a comedy version of that and uh uh-huh. again that's that's taking micro to the extreme where yes, you know definitely. red blood cells and white blood cells are bigger than the people you know. Yeah, that's that's that is the way Body Wars was too. I actually uh, was one of the last people. I, I used to work at Disney, and one is one, one of the last people to work at Body Wars on New Year's Eve in two thousand six or two thousand five, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yeah, there was there was no one there. <laughs> that, you know, even when the rest of the park had hour hour and a half waits. That must no have been fun. Body Wars was that open. must have been fun for you though. I mean, as a person who likes things big, I mean that yeah. you're constantly surrounded with that environment. That must have been a blast. And the and the costume for it was awesome because you looked like a like a Star Trek dentist. <laughs> you know, it had That's that kind awesome. of swoosh that uh. and the polyester look that that Star Trek uh, outfits yeah. have. Uh, and it, it actually was very uh, very concealing. You know, it was a a good a good out a good costume to wear. Cool, like you, cool. like you actually put on a costume then. Like, where is yeah, that, that's, that required? Yeah, that's the Disney term, Disney World term for uniform uh, oh. Is, is costume. Oh, you're talking, okay, never mind, sorry, I was completely confuzzled, because I thought you were saying, wait a minute, like, everyone who goes on the ride wears it? But it was just the No, 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 this is me when I was working there. Right. Yeah, we okay. didn't make people put on costumes, that would be a little crazy. Okay, gotcha. Maybe we should have taken Lex Luthor's shrink ray, and then you could have done a realistic one. <laughs> just for fun. And people are like, wow, the effects are amazing! It's like, wait a minute, where's the exit? Oh, you don't want to know. Yeah. In my pocket. <laughs> I didn't say where it was. <laughs> one, going back to the cartoons real quick. I, yeah. I know that uh, one of the ones that from my childhood that really sticks out to me is the episode of Pinky and the Brain, yes. where uh, it's called Tokyo Grows. Yeah. Where are you, Brain? I can't see you. I'm down. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a sec, Brain. I've got some gum on my shoe. Uh, 
Apparently, your IQ didn't grow along with your shoe size, Pinky. Now, go on your rampage, Pinkzilla, and show no mercy. I will arrive on the scene and save Tokyo from the terror of Pinkzilla. Yes, I see. They they start out by kind of rumors of of Gollyzilla, uh, you know, rampaging through Tokyo, and then Brain is wanting to grow uh, Pinky and put him in like a, a Godzilla suit to to make it. To make him so be cute. the nemesis for grain to, so to brain cute. to grow and fight, oh, so uh, but then Gallizilla is actually real, and and it's just the way that it ends uh, with everyone in the entire planet growing. Huh. That just did something for me, even as even as yeah. a seven or eight year old watching it. Like, well, it whoa. tweaks your brain. Yeah, when I was that age, that's when I started uh, <laughs> first getting. Oh, what's this weird, cool stuff that I'm seeing here? Yep. Should I be feeling this way about this really cool cartoon? Oh you know? my gosh! Yeah. I mean, the Tom. In my when I was that age, I had the Tom and Jerry cartoon where uh, Tom gets shrunk and uh, Jerry is chasing him around. Uh, which is one of the more famous. You can find clips of that one all over YouTube. Yeah, I think I did find that, although it was in Italian, I think, the, the <laughs> version I found. Add your own sound effects. I guess it doesn't really matter because Tom and Jerry don't really speak. Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, but, like, as, as, as the youngest in here, I guess one of, my, one of my favorite ones is actually from late 90s, and that's uh, Godzilla the series. There's not really mm-hmm. a whole lot of you know, big, meaty, stompy scenes, but just seeing Godzilla all the time interacting with Dr. Totopolis and everyone else, and then constantly, for 30 straight minutes, just seeing Godzilla huge. That did it for me, because I'm like, okay, I see other cartoons, they're big for like a couple minutes, maybe an entire episode, but it's only one. This series, huge, all the time, giant, stompy, monsters. Now was this the God was yeah. this the Godzilla series in the nineties that came after the Matthew yes. Broderick film? Yes, yes, ah, yes. Because yes. I was and thinking of the Godzilla series from back in the late seventies, early eighties. Yes, Hanna What's, Barbera though. That one yep. was oh, with Godzuki. There he is. Fifty stories high. Godzilla, Godzilla, and Godzilla. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Godzuki is the macro equivalent of Scrappy Doo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, oh boy, I, you know, I, I really didn't know what you guys that. were talking about there, but that right. just totally clicked me back. Yep. In. Oh gosh! Like, I need to show you that thing. You've never seen the Hanna Barbera episodes? Ugh. I've vaguely, uh, you know, had, had some experience with, it, but not much. Yeah, it's it's okay because, like, with me, I love both. Like, just I have to say, like, a tiny backstory. No, tiny because I'm huge, right? But it's a tiny backstory about me because I really started off with Godzilla. Like, Godzilla was it. That's where I started. Like, in role play, like, with me, Godzilla and I were best friends. Every, like, all the time. So, he's where I started. So, seeing that series when I was, like, eight years old, I wasn't allowed to go see it in theaters because it was PG-13, like, the actual movie. Uh, but that still has some of my favorite stompy scenes ever. And I still will just always say that's my favorite. But, like, the series, just by itself, again, storyline, eh, it's okay. It starts off realistic, but by the end of the entire thing, it's just completely fantasy. They're going to different dimensions and all that kind of stuff. But it's 
It's just seeing Godzilla on TV for 30 straight minutes really did it for me. Because well, ugh. 20 minutes well, with 10 minutes of toy commercials and, and cereal commercials. Yeah, right? but then sometimes there'd be commercials with other episodes of Stompy stuff, and that would be a bonus. Because <laughs> like, because then there's like, but this Digimon and other stuff. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. There is still even even to the commercials in the in the 2000s and and today, oh, not commercials, cartoons mm. in the 2000s and today. Uh, there is still that that legacy and that kind of tendency towards having shrinking and growth episodes. Uh, I found one episode of uh, regular show where yes. it, it dealing with uh, uh, Rigby and, and Mordecai yep. shrinking down. Yes. Uh, that's not exactly Saturday morning cartoons, I guess, but but it's close enough. But oh, the feels. <laughs> Rigby, huge. Thank you. Yes, make the well, I think it went the other way around. Oh, it did? Okay. Yeah, they were like it, it was kind of the same idea where they had to go into uh, to Thomas, uh, oh. the, the goat guy, to uh, mm. fix something. I, I didn't see the whole thing, but it was it was basically a body wars type thing or a ah. incredible uh, what a, I forgot what you just incredible said. voyage. Yeah, I think about. it is. Yeah, yes, incredible voyage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, incredible journey was a Disney film about three house <laughs> animal, pet, dog, cat, whatever, trying to find their way to their owners. Anyway. Oh, and, and yeah, that's one of the things when I was initially uh, trying to do a little research of this, I uh, was thinking about uh, how much shrinking and growth is out there in Disney, and I was thinking that that would be something we'd want to incorporate into this as well. Mm. But I think that's something we can have for a whole other podcast, oh gosh, because yeah. Oh, yeah. in addition to the animated stuff, there's you know there's things like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids yeah. and, yeah. and uh, several of the rides that, that deal with shrinking yeah. uh, at the theme parks. And so as a Disney aficionado myself, that's something I think I want to de- dedicate a whole segment to mm. on another show. Hey, and you Kwan. see, it's always been... Oh, sorry? Sorry, just quick, quick add-in. Uh, Pixar made the movie Ants, right? No, that was DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Okay, because they did Ants? a Bugs Life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and they both came out within like two months of each other. It was the summer of Bugs. Yeah. And the I have to yep. say, Ants though. Do you remember the scene in Ants when the, when they when they get stomped by that kid wearing shoes and then get stuck to the gum? I, I tried my hardest to forget everything about that movie when I was walking out of the theater. No, no, no. Just go back and watch that. That's all. Like I have the VHS at home. I just go and I watch it for that scene only. The size. Yeah, I didn't is like. Incredible. I didn't like a Bug's Life very much. I, I, I don't want secondhand a Bug's Life no, 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 or, or you know rip off a Bug's Life. Like you life. saw Ants though, right? With Woody Allen for that matter. Did you ever see the movie Ants? Yes, Did? I saw it in theaters. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, then you remember the actual scene because that kid I don't is a mega. That, scene, no. that kid is a definition of a mega macro. His shoes take a solid seven seconds to hit the ground. Huge swooshes, like they get stuck to the bottom of his shoe because there's gum on the bottom. Like, holy crap! There's like four solid steps of this just kid. He's a toddler. He's like three years old, but to an ant huge and i just go back and i watch that i'm like that is just uh because like definition of mega completely like in comparison Mm -hmm. that's easily a mile or two tall easily it's just kinson you're running your streak of of uh talking about movies and and talking about them so well that i want to (laughs) movies that i hated when i saw as a kid talk about them so well Well, that i want to go back and actually rewatch them seriously i'm running that to two now everyone who's listening to the podcast if you've not seen the movie ants Get a hold of a DVD or a VHS. Rewind to like maybe the middle. I think that's something that you could probably find on YouTube yes. somewhere, right? Just probably, yeah. Ugh, like that. Fern Gully. Fern Gully is another one like that, and yes. especially when you have. Uh, I think it was Tone Loke. I forget the rapper who did the big, uh, 
the big uh, monitor lizard in the forest, but at one point ends up uh, nearly eating the shrunken main character, and you have this uh, you know, incredibly uh, massive distinction in size there. But Oh, yeah. Uh, Fern Gully doesn't hold up as well as it did, as I remember it being awesome when I was younger, but... Yeah, I I totally didn't see Epic this year. That came out earlier this year, and I didn't Epic. see yeah, it. Yeah, I was about to say that was, when I first saw the trailer for that, I was thinking, are they remaking Fern Gully? Yeah. What's going yeah. on yeah. here? Wait a minute. Uh, sorry. Uh, naive, uh, oblivious cheat here. What's Epic? I, I don't think it I've... Just, it was an animated movie that came out earlier this yeah. year about a person who gets shrunk okay. and joins with uh, a group of uh, fae or fairies in uh, oh. an area that's being threatened with ecological destruction. Yeah, I think it, I think it is still in theaters. It may be in like dollar theaters or whatever, but yeah. uh, uh, it, it's not that mm. long ago this year. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm an oblivious little big cheat. I oftentimes miss <laughs> news like that. Like the only reason I saw Pacific Rim's trailer was because I was magically randomly watching TV, which is something I rarely do now. I saw the trailer. Oh. I'm like, did oh. you guys see the news out of uh, San Diego Comic Con, which is just uh, going on right now out in yes. California? That they released go. the uh, they released the images showing what Godzilla, the next uh, movie, yes. is going to look like. Crap! I have the app. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I have the Godzilla Encounter app on my phone, and when I found out, I'm like, "There's another Godzilla movie. I must yeah, I didn't go know there was see." Another Godzilla movie. Yes, yeah. I don't know when it's when released. When is that coming though. out? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, gosh, I think they're just it. starting pre-production right now, so we're probably oh, okay. looking at a year or two. But uh, 2015, maybe. Yeah, Is it something called like Godzilla that. Encounter? I yeah, don't know the name of it offhand. No, no, that, that, that's that's hope the it's fan. better. Yeah. I just hope it's better written than that movie from the from ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, that came it's out. made by um, uh, what's the name of the studio? Uh, not Tycho. It's something close. It's. It's it's the actual it's the Japanese studio. Oh, oh, sorry, it's an animated movie. No, no, no. It's it's no. the oh, actual. It um, it's real life. It's um, live you action, but it's Japan makes movies that come to us that <laughs> are are live action nowadays. Oh yeah, you better believe it. I thought that ended in the fifties or sixties. <laughs> no, well, like that's the same studio that made uh, the original Godzilla or Gojira, as oh, we say okay. Godzilla. That makes sense. But they're actually making. Well, they probably own like the copyright. I don't know if they're actually making it. Yeah, the reason why America yeah. got away with Gino. Which Godzilla, what it's Godzilla in name only, is because it's nothing that looks nothing like uh, the original Godzilla, kind it, of. It, it, it looks like a dinosaur that jumped out of Jurassic Park I'm into gonna, another movie. I'm going to go ahead and yeah. say he's my favorite because, darn it, his paws look so much better. I'm sorry if I'm making anyone squeamish or anyone like, like, Kenton, no! But I love Gino's paws a lot more than uh, Japanese Godzilla's <laughs> or Gojira's. Well, we'll have to see how it turns mm. out because I, I looked it up here briefly. It looks like it's coming out in 2014. Oh, wow. It is an American, another American film. Is it? Um, what? Yes, it is. So uh, it looks oh. here like they've got David Stratham tapped to appear in it. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, my gosh. And it, oh, oh cool. It's, be, it's the screenwriter's Frank Darabont, the guy who brought us uh, The Walking Dead. What? The, the TV show? Yeah, oh the TV gosh. show. I'm a deadhead. Uh, this is gonna okay. be amazing. Okay, I'm not a huge fan, but it's definitely well written. Yeah, and that's the, so, yeah, that's the big thing. So my yeah. heart just melted into a giant spotty puddle that, everywhere. Yeah. and apparently it, it can't be any worse as far as writing goes than than that the film from the night. No, uh, yeah, I mean the fir- <laughs> the one with with Matthew Broderick was a fun monster stomp, but it sure as heck wasn't Godzilla. Gosh, but ugh. yeah, but like the the story like we talked about this in the last podcast, so I'm not going to go over into it, but. The thing is, with that movie, 
I really did watch it for just the stomps because the ending, I actually confirmed it. It's not four minutes. It's like upwards of ten minutes of running away and stompy yeah, scenes. Yeah, I think, uh, didn't Behirat link, link it yes, to you or something? Yes, and oh gosh, because Behirat's like, yeah, I totally agree. Nice set of stomps there. Cause... <laughs> okay, so, and I watched oh. that part. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. I didn't watch the whole thing because I think I got distracted at that point. But, How did you get distracted uh, of that? Sorry. Because I think I, I got linked to it while I was working and I probably oh, okay. had a, a call or something coming. Gotcha. But, like, now that I see, now that I've heard what you guys just said, hopefully, I mean, I, I believe you, but I always try to do my research, too. If it really is American-made, that means if they're bringing Gino back, my heart is literally pounding out my chest right now. Because I doubt it will be the same character, same design. No, no, they, that's why they released it. They just showed it at uh, San Diego oh. Comic Con, and okay, it looks okay. like the great classic Godzilla, just more dinosaur-like and not like a giant iguana with okay. Jay Leno's okay. chin. Okay. So we've kind of gotten off topic from oh, yeah. the uh, the cartoons, and, and I think sure. we've kind of explored all that territory. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we're kind of going to, to the to sure. wrapping up the podcast, yes. but uh, we have a couple things we want to do first. I know uh, one of the things that we did last week, and I'd like to do again this week, is for each of us to uh, mention an artist or a writer. Yes. That we have been following, mm-hmm. whether it's someone that is uh, like kind of we talked about last week, who needs a, a bigger following, like like Oh Oh, who we've been impressed with, or someone who may already have a big following that we've just been very impressed with. Mm-hmm. Sylvan, you said yeah. you well as a guest, I want to let you go first, sure. and you did say that you had uh, someone in mind. Yeah, an old friend of mine who's uh, a great writer and uh, uh, an artist in many senses of the word is the Dino Sorcerer. Yes. Uh, I he only just recently got an FA account. Yes. Uh, he's normally found over at LavaDome5.com, I believe it ever. is. Yeah, uh. he's, a, he's a really great guy. I believe uh, he's an Alaskan. Yes. Um, and Fairbanks he, Fairbanks there. Yeah, Faybanks Muck is yes. uh, the macro muck that mm, uh, I haven't been there in years. Me but neither, I'm gosh. Re- I don't even remember my login anymore, but I oh. probably should. Um but no, he's a really great artist, and he did. He has to date, I think, created the only macro uh, music album ever. What? Yeah, he released Jurassic Phase back in I think it was '97, which is mostly Ooh. old school quasi techno sort of stuff <laughs> that he uh-huh. that he put together uh, with some help of uh, other people that to provide some sound effects and hmm. it's a lot of fun. In fact, the the song the the piece uh, Macro is one of my favorites. I just I play it all the time. Nice. I oh, would yeah. definitely like a link. Ooh. Well, it's uh, available from, I think, his FTP server on Lava Dome 5. Yes. I would head over to LavaDome5.com and start checking around. They have links to everything there. So I actually, yeah, uh, and I'll definitely <laughs> link that uh, site in, in the notes. And I 
we're going to try to get at least some of that to play uh, in in the show here about uh, some of that song, the micro. You, I know you linked it to me, but I want to make sure we get permission for that first from, right. from him. Yeah. Yes, and like it's, I'm very glad you mentioned Dinosaur uh, Sorcerer because I, you know, back in the day with me, Lava Dome Five was the very first macro site I ever stumbled onto. We're talking, I was 13, mm-hmm. and Lurker and everything. And I always, like, saw everybody, and I saw Dino, and I'm like, it'd be really great to get to know him. I'm just really thankful that I do now. Like, I'm actually starting to talk with him, too. He's an old friend of yours, so that means even better. So I'm very <laughs> glad that you actually started, like, you mentioned him, because I look up to him, too, even though he's tiny. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Ugh, but It helps yeah. that he's just a really nice guy. Yes. He's really friendly and gregarious and just uh, a really enjoyable person to chat with online, yes. which awesome. makes me feel bad because I haven't chatted with him online for far, far too well, long. Well, we need to start doing that It's again. so easy to get to, get to lose track of people, even oh, people yeah. that you do want to Especially when they're underfoot. With. Yeah, especially when yeah. they get caught and you're, like, you just get caught under your paw. I mean, it's like, I know you're there, but doing other stuff. You're getting <laughs> cuddles, but I'm not aware. <laughs> Um, okay, so Kenson, is there an artist or a writer or, or someone that you wanted to mention? Most definitely. Um, most deaf? Most deaf? I don't think most he's done any kind of... <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, Tiern. So going back to oh, the days yes. of Lava Dome, Lava, bleh, Lava, Dome, Lava Dome 5, Tiern actually uh, has an account on there. I don't think he's been on there in a while, but I used to go through and look at his gallery. And I used to just go and literally stare. They'd be like, wow, he's just really really good at what he does and throughout like the past year or so i actually started talking with him on aim i met him at ac 2012 i actually got to hang out with him this ac and i've just been chatting with him a lot more and he's really been like he's he's such a sweet guy and he's just really he he really loves helping because you know he's given me advice just chatted I mean, when it comes to encouraging me in my art, like, be it, he's just like, don't give up. Like, just keep persevering, because I-, I take a look at his art just, like, ten years ago. I take a look at his art now, and I, like, I should never get discouraged, because it's never something that happens overnight. And I keep trying to, like, somehow tell myself that, but it's not. And just looking at him, like, I really look up to you, Tyrion. I really do. Like, you, like, I know you already said yes, but... Please be my mentor, because I really do just... I love the way you do things, because you are pretty much the embodiment of perseverance. Like, definitely. So I definitely give a shout-out to you. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you for everything you've taught me, and for all the stuff that we're going to do and destroy and stomp and crush (laughs) and things later. So, love you, Tiern! Yay! All right, great. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of his work as well yes. from what I've seen. He, he, he definitely has a, yeah. a really it, – it, it's kind of – I don't want to say cartoony, but it definitely mm-hmm. has, has, a, has a – Semi-realistic? Yeah, semi-realistic, yeah. but at the same time, it just it's, – it's a fun vibe. Yes, that's, definitely. That's the best way maybe I can describe One of my favorite parts about uh, seeing his, his stuff is just how dynamic and fun it is. I mean, he yeah. works with angles incredibly. So, Chirpzilla's stomp of approval. <laughs> Definitely. And as far as for the uh, the the one artist I want to mention kind of uh, this week, uh, I've been <laughs> watching him for a while. But M.K. Vero uh, <laughs> is someone that I've really been impressed with how he's uh, improved uh, over the past oh probably probably year maybe uh, that that I've watched him. He I don't actually recall where I first 
saw him. I know that his work's on a logicals gallery, and, and it seems like a, 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 that may be where I got him, uh, saw him from. But oh, about six months ago, when I was first trying to get art done of of mm-hmm. Quan of, of myself, uh, that. I saw that he was up open for kind of donation emergency commissions uh, to help with his his boyfriend uh, to to help with financial emergency, and I took him up on that, and he ended up doing one for me that was that was really fun, Aww. kind of one of the first adult commissions I had ever done. Uh, so that's probably one you actually haven't seen yet, Kenson, but it's okay. uh, it, it is one that that uh, I was very pleased with. And even over the past uh, month or two, he's been doing posting a lot of line art and sketches. Mm. Uh, as well as a few colored things, nice. and I, I, I just—it seems like everything that comes through from him on on my favorites list is something I will fave because of how, not only how clean, but also how evocative the line art is. If that makes sense, not from necessarily a uh, erotic point of view, although there's a, a, some of that, but but just the anatomy is 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 great, and 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 his characters, kind of like Taryn, are, are just in a fun. Uh, you know, drawn in a fun way, yes. and uh, and it's something that, yeah, expressive and very uh, very enjoyable to watch. So, nice. uh, if you haven't seen him yet, uh, MK Vero, V E R O. You can find him there on on Fur Affinity as well as most likely elsewhere. Yeah, I may or may not have just um, bumped over silently and watched him. <laughs> is this how it's going to go? Is I'm always going to make someone that you're not watching, and you're going to go watch? Him well, right it away? didn't happen with OO. Love you, Owo. Well, no, I'm talking about the Ducky when I mentioned oh, him last week. yeah, yeah. Yep. How exactly <laughs> does a giant cheetah stomp silently? Well, okay, just as a little bit of a side note, I have to say, it does not matter how big a cat gets. We are still ninjas. <laughs> we are still very Good much point. ninjas. So, you know, there's actually a picture. Oh, gosh, who drew it? Uh, remember who drew it? There's a picture I need to, like, I'll probably find and link. Uh, you can put it in the description. It's this... Um, Picture of, uh, uh, remember who it is, but there's this giant cougar who just sneaks up on this, you know, normal size, I don't even think he's a furry, he's like some type of, like, animatronic guy, but he's on F.A., and he drew this little thing, he's like, well, I guess it's time to get back to work, and then silence, and then, whoom, whoom, what the, and he's like, hello, because even at 150 feet tall, cougar is silent until he bounces. So, <laughs> a neat little sketch. So that brings us to our last segment, and this is one we couldn't do last week because of it was our first episode. Yay. But we we do want to, uh, if, if when we get it, to read some email on the air, as well as any tweets or notes on FA or anything like that. Uh, we we definitely appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten, and we want to try to share some of that uh, with you. So without further ado. Kinson, do we have anything to read? We got an email here from a Mr. Lefthead Grave. Says, just listened. We'll be continuing to do so, which means a lot of this is just good job on starting up something like this. Wanted to make feedback and questions to hopefully encourage the continuation and whatnot. So for the mega-sized kaiju comment made in Pacific Rim Commentary. 
Do you guys plan to mention a lot of giant monster shows? Partially was wondering because, while I haven't seen any of the shows and can't comment on quality, there is an Ultraman show with possibly the biggest monster I've ever seen made with practical effects or any serious TV or movie. It's from Ultraman Gaia, and the monster is Zogu. So here's a link if, any, if that's of any interest. But Zogu is a centaur, and it made me want to ask your opinion on something since you like weirdness. What are your views, likes, and interests in atypical macros like Naga, Tors, Octopods, and so on? Do you think they work better for, fe- for female or male characters? And do you think any specific artist drawn certain items like that well? Be it an artist that just draws hooves you like or something along those lines? Do you guys have any well-loved giant monster video games too? Old or new? I know you mentioned Rampage was uh, one of them, and I was just wondering if any others hold a special place. I like War of the Monsters myself. Hope some of this was useful. Left head grave. Okay, well, thank you for sending that in, Left Head Grave. Uh, you know, we did talk a little bit about Tars with with Sylvan, uh, and 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 as far as other type of atypical macros, Naga, Octopods, like like you mentioned. Uh, you know, personally myself, I, I definitely tend to be more into bipeds, whether it is you know furry furry uh, anthropomorphic bipeds or even humans. Uh, when you get to to Tars, I, I can do kind of furry Tars the. <laughs> the uh you know the wolf tars and the fox tars but uh as far as uh getting things with with octopods and and naga again that kind of gets into my whole hesitation towards scalies uh so so i'm not the biggest fan of that uh i I can definitely appreciate if it's done well but it's not something i seek out Mm -hmm. what about you kenson well I recently like really recently have been getting much more of an affinity towards tars I blame that. that's something we kind of did talk about earlier. Yeah, I blame that entirely. Here's a little bit of a shout-out. I smoosh a Tars house known as Haya. His full name is Haya Kawanakitsune, I believe. Sorry if I butchered that. But I actually met him at AC a couple years back, and he's a Tar. And ever since, I've been texting back and forth and RPing. Apparently, I've been a (laughs) Chi-Tar For like <laughs> like a year because we've been role playing and I he just never poofed me back so I've been a six pod cheetah for about a year in that role play and ever since then I've just been kind of like this is kind of cool I have two extra paws to work with because hmm. I'm just like you know you can you know open the door or something better you can like you know reach over and kick something better I don't know there's just since you have more paws you have more use and six paws it does get cute like there's some really cute opportunities to just like i don't know so tars definitely are something i've been getting more of an affinity to i have to be honest i am an oblivious cheat i'm not really entirely sure what nagas are unfortunately i'm really sorry about that i lack experience but correct me if i'm wrong sylvan but yeah. but nagas are ones that are like kind of half like the, the bottom half is a snake right correct yeah they're from the waist down they're a serpent okay cool definitely yeah, um well what's the difference between a, sa- a snake and a serpent <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I should, uh, and I uh, don't. With Nagas, I truthfully, being brutally honest, I kind of don't. But I, at the same time, I haven't really come into contact with too many. So it kind of, it might be something like the Tars in the sense that once I come into contact with them, I might get more of an affinity. I'm always open, doors wide open, spots here, hug. <laughs> so Nagas, not sure. With Octopods. That's kind of where I start drawing the line. Tentacles with me kind of never really sit right. Well, 
Um, would octopods, again, that's kind of going beyond my expertise as well, but would octopods yeah. be uh, actually have the tentacles, or would that be something that it's actually just referring to having four feet? Uh, Sylvan? Or, excuse me, eight feet. Well, the letter, doesn't, the letter doesn't say exactly. It could be either. I mean, I suppose you could have a, a macro octopus or macro squid. It, you know, that's what you get in, you know, stories about sea serpents and sea monsters. That's Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I thought it was that originally is because octopod, I always thought whenever I heard that term, right. octopod referred to the species yeah. octopus or something. But it also refers to anything that's eight-footed. That's true. Yeah, I mean, pod is just, you know, short for that's foot. That's right. Okay. Or because, clear. um, like, Sorry. like a podiatrist is a foot doctor, so pod, yeah, yeah pod, so, Okay. What well, about you, Sylvan? Is I, I know obviously you have the the tar interest, but uh, are nagas or octopods anything you've ever gotten into? Not particularly. Um, but if I generally go for something that is not uh, mammalian, I tend to prefer to stick with uh, dragons and dinosaurs, just because okay. they're they're awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good uh, answer. Yeah. Though I do tend to prefer um, I do tend to prefer things upright, uh, bipedal. Uh, yeah. When you start getting into ferals, uh, then the anthropomorphization gets a little bit too far away from what I can recognize as a person. But that's just me. I mean, I've written stories about ferals, and everyone that I know has loved Narnia, and all, almost all the anthros in there, all yeah, they're all ferals. So the yeah. well, isn't there? Uh, what's the guy? Tinius? Who's the very first one that, oh, that Lucy meets? Mister Tumnus, uh, the fawn. Mr. T- Yes, yeah, but yes. he's a he's basically a centaur, isn't he? He's a satyr. No, oh, okay. He's a satyr. So he only has yep. Two legs on Correct. the ground, right? Yep. Okay, that's the difference. All but right. there's the it's centaur. Been a while since I've read or seen Narnia. But the centaur Glenstorm is also from the Narnia series. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's probably why I thought there may have been a centaur. There. I just thought oh, of yeah. Shadow of the Colossus. Meh. Well, that kind of moves on to the second question about giant monster video games, and Shadow of the Colossus is definitely my personal favorite for <laughs> yeah. for that. Yes. Uh, not only is it a beautiful video game and and the it's definitely a lot better on the play, on the PlayStation 3 remake because they fixed mm-hmm. all the technical problems that yep. the PlayStation 2 version had uh, but the music is awesome and it's just it, it's almost emotional it is emotionally moving to to you know go and attack those I think we'll talk a little bit more about giant monster video games in a whole segment yeah. but is there anyone that that uh that either of you have that kind of comes to mind um well the one that I said originally um, it was going to be uh, another Godzilla, but then I was like, wait a minute, no. The game that ultimately defined my macroness back when I was a, a wee little giant stompy cub was Donkey Kong 64. And that may make a lot of heads go, tilt? Marf? What do you mean? For those of you who have played Donkey Kong 64, I'm sure that if you're a macro, hope you are, that you are listening and you know that in the game there is a uh, croc known as K. Lumsey. He is roughly about 100, 150 feet tall in size if you're going by perspective. Um, at the very beginning of the game, you find him uh, chained up in this this side little floaty thing off of Donkey Kong Island because there's the main croc ship and then a side island thing. And it's nowhere near in size perspective, but it's rareware. So anyway, he's chained in this giant container. Eventually, at the very end of the game, you release him and he goes free. He starts stomping around. He starts doing things. And when I first saw that, I literally kind of just, I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch this again and again and again because it was just so fun to watch. Then, also in the game, 
Rareware has some of the best, like, Nintendo 64 stompy stuff because also there's a Kong known as Chunky Kong. He has a uh, special ability that when he hops into one of his barrels, he's able to turn giant. And in a certain area, you can also hack the game and get him out of that area because normally you would shrink if you went out. But you can actually hack the game, go through walls, and stomp around with him and be completely free. And if you have the cheat to unlock all of the stuff, then it's unlimited. So you can just literally keep going. And then... Just real quick, Banjo-Tooie has a giant T-Rex you can play as and also uh, Stomponodon in the Stomping Planes. Now I'm done. <laughs> so <laughs> Is there rare, anything you had, Sylvan? Rare, rare. Well, you know, like most of us, I loved Rampage back in the day, and I always played Ralph. Ralph was the best. But uh, in recent years, when I deal with uh, macro, micro, and gaming, you had one video game that stood out for me in one of its many things. was the MMORPG uh, Champions Online. In one of the higher-level adventures, the alien Ricti, who have been invading and fighting against the heroes and the villains both of Earth for years... Uh, you end up getting shrunk and put into this small little city that they've created with cardboard cutouts and melt cartons. And what they've captured and put in the city is they actually captured Godzilla and put him in the shrunk down in the city. And it's you and a shrunken Godzilla in this little melt carton city. That's uh, so Yeah, and it's absolutely hilarious. But uh, other than that, a, a lot I don't do many video games. And so... Uh, but I can't let my macro go away. So in all the tabletop RPGs I run, which is a considerable number, there is always a macro-micro theme, whether it's um, my villainess, uh, who's called Alternative, who's a six-foot-two woman with the ability to control size, her own or that of other things, uh, and she's mostly just kind of clueless. She's a villainess by default. Uh, or, you know, competent. You know, it's it's... That's why I suggest for competent evil. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I suggest most people do is you know get into an RPG and make your own. Have some real fun with. Uh, I mean, you can play these great games out there; they're awesome and all that. But seriously, get it. Crack open your favorite RPG, whether it's something furry oriented like um, uh, was it Iron Claw. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, or something else, and start playing with your own macro micro stuff, and just really turn the imagination loose. That's my favorite yeah, I think game. That's with you, <laughs> come to Minnesota. I think that's one of the the big benefits of of a tabletop RPG is that it really just opens up your imagination much more. You don't have to worry about having someone at a at a studio create the art and create the the programming and everything for it. You can yeah. you can use you world, use your own mind for that. The world yeah. is your stomping ground. Yes. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for writing in Left Head Grave. And uh, if you would like to have your email read on the podcast, you can send that to mail at sizematterspodcast.com. Mm-hmm. You could also reach us, either me or Kenson, uh, through our furry uh, fur affinity pages. Yep. That is http colon slash 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 user slash Tallin for me, T A H L Y N, or Kenson for, for Kenson, K E N S O N. And uh, we'll you know we'll take those uh, notes and and pick uh, one or, or more possibly depending on how short or long they are yep. to read on the show. Uh-huh. We love and you guys. Would, and, and I would also uh, invite you to follow us on Twitter at Size Matters Cast. 
that way you can get up-to-date information on show updates and guests and, and anything else that comes through there. And you can also contact us with any questions, uh, you know, within the Twitter uh Size limit, the character yep, yep. limit, of course. Ah, uh, size limits. Ah, uh, why? Uh, why? <laughs> All right. And so at that point, that pretty much brings us to a close. Uh, I do want to thank our guest, Sylvan Scott, for stopping on by. Mega glumps. Thank, thank you so much, <laughs> Sylvan. It was really a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to seeing more of your work. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed yourself on the podcast. I had a great time. Yeah, thank you for, thank you for inviting me. I was really very honored, very flattered. And, and believe me, the, the honor is all, all mine. I'm, I'm glad to be able to have someone who uh, I've respected and, and followed the writing for so I? long to, to talk to. I? You're not the only one who does the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm the one who invited him. <laughs> it's very nice to get to meet you, Sylvan. I had a lot of fun tonight, too. So yeah, that was great. Thank you very much. All right. So Anytime, that, guys. Thank you. And that brings us to the end. I want to thank all of you out there for listening. And I hope you get to see you guys again next week. Follow us. Uh, if, if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe to us through iTunes, Size Matters, or visit us at uh, www.sizematterspodcast.com to check the latest episodes and subscribe there. And everyone else, enjoy the rest of the week and see you guys again next Monday. Keep calm and stomp your paws. Bye. Safe to show, though the truth may.